the Psilocybin Chronicles. One of the major things you strive for as an artist is to create freedom for yourself, for God's sake. Not to be stuck in a style or one way of working or repeat yourself ad infinitum until, you know, you want to, like, cut your throat. To understand your work and to move around your world freely and openly and follow your consciousness wherever it goes. Sometimes you have ideas that take time and they don't work out, but are you not supposed to do them because they don't fit in with the body of your work? I don't want to be one of those artists. I want to be able to fail sometime. It doesn't look like the Kooning, okay. Psilocybin and Bufo really helped that. And the ketamine as well. Hey everyone, welcome back to Michael Meditations, Psilocybin Chronicles. I'm your host, Eric Osborne, and I am very happy to be back with you again, my Michael Meditations family. Uh, as you may have noticed, things have changed a little bit around the Psilocybin Chronicles. I'm on a different podcasting platform. I'm hoping that works better. Seems to so far. I'm doing my own editing again, trying to save a little money during COVID while I got a little bit of extra time on my hands. So. Uh, I've gotten a little bit of feedback already that I know I'm not as good as Jimmy, and I never will be, but I'm going to be working to get better until we bring Jimmy back on board. I have been looking at the stats. I'm happy to say that listenership is going up, noticing a growing international audience, and I would love to hear from you. A number of people from Australia listening over in the UK, you can do that by emailing me at thesilocron at gmail.com. T-H-E-P-S-I-L-O-C-H-R-O-N. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, too. Just want to hear from you. If you got feedback, uh, compliments, questions, criticisms, whatever, love to know that there is an audience out there. I see the downloads, uh, but I'd love to hear from the voices. I do really appreciate all of your patience with the shifting format. This is, as you can tell, a bit of an experiment uh, that I'm enjoying quite well. And I really just want to put the best thing forward for you all. And the feedback is really important in that. This is my 41st episode of this podcast. Can't hardly believe it. And I am also 41 years old. I can't hardly believe that either. I feel like I'm just getting started, both with podcasting and in many ways with life. Uh, Anyway, I just want to jump right into today's guest after getting that out of the way. This is another recording from early 2020. Ross, uh, who you're going to be listening to, was with us in, I believe, January. Uh, I believe he is also the most well-known guest that we've ever had at Michael Meditations and certainly on this podcast. Sorry, Shane Moss. Love you. And that crazy COVID beard you're sporting, but you got bumped down here. Ross Blechner is a renowned artist. His bio is lengthy, and I will post a link to his wiki page in the show notes rather than read or list out all of his accomplishments. Let's just say that he was one of the youngest artists to be featured at the Guggenheim and has also been featured at the San Francisco Museum of Art, the Moderna Musite in Stockholm, and at the Carnegie Museum of Art. As you will hear, Ross has accomplished so much, and not out of luck, but out of discipline and hard work. Since the 80s, Ross has been an openly gay artist and was an outspoken advocate for gay rights during the AIDS crisis of the 80s and 90s. He has faced his 
fair share of criticism, you can bet. Recently returning to psychedelics, Ross and I discuss his extensive experience with ketamine, mescaline, bufo, and psilocybin. This is another one that is worth listening to all the way to the end, folks. And those that do, well, you hold a very special place in this podcaster's heart. With no further ado, won't you join me in welcoming Ross to the Psilocybin Chronicles. Ross, welcome to the Psilocybin Chronicles. Oh, thank you very much, Eric. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, well, it's been a pleasure having you this week. It's been sure. a pleasure being here. Yeah, you, yeah. you have, uh, you run a beautiful, beautiful place. Oh, thank you. That's very well run. Oh well, thank you. And uh, very safe, and uh, they have good times here, and also come rough times. But that's the way. <laughs> That's the of nature of the beast. <laughs> it is indeed. Is it is indeed. So this beast, if you could ride this beast with anybody from time and history, who might that be? Oh well, that's kind of obviously. I uh, probably would be uh, somebody people I listen to while uh, while uh, <laughs> while I uh, enjoy myself. Uh, I would say Ram Dass would be somebody pre-stroke probably. Uh, and of course, Alan Watts. Oh, yeah. I mean, that yeah. would be something yeah. because I listened to him on his podcasts where they, where he lectures and he was just brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. Really so, was. you know, I mean, to just imagine, I mean, you know, it's always kind of that, that kind of first rush of enthusiasm around something new. Mm. Uh, create such an amazing atmosphere. I mean, could you imagine uh, the beat, the beat guys, Jack Kuriak, and uh, you know. I mean, I would imagine that you've done Allen Ginsberg, some pretty interesting people already. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no more details. No, lot, nothing, lot, nothing else further asked. A lot of cool, be- <laughs> lot of cool people. You know, I mean, uh, it. It's. I, I was introduced to it young, actually. Well, let's talk about that. When did you first even hear of magic mushrooms? Do you remember? Of course, I remember. Uh, when I was in college, uh, that's uh, that's in the uh, early seventies, mm-hmm. and they were popular. They was popular. Mm-hmm. Psilocybin, m- mushrooms, me- mescaline. So talk about how that w- how it was u- used in these situations. Was it would people kind of gather and circle up and eat? Them they were very. It was very or? random. You know, okay. you would just take them around. I mean, I remember. Munching some mushrooms. Munching some mushrooms in San Francisco and Big Sur and Central Park and you know mm-hmm. it was just fun and wild and so for, when you first heard about them because of the the circumstances it was in did you had a an open mind towards it immediately did you never have any of the skepticism around psilocybin that most people have no I did not oh that's a, amazing you lucky guy you. Well, you know, it's not, it's funny, it's not, it's, uh, I I think you're at an age uh, where you're looking to, and this this hopefully doesn't really ever leave you, you're just kind of open, hoping uh, and open to expanding 
your horizons and your knowledge and and kind of set new parameters for yourself and you, you people talk about it very uh very rapturously mm-hmm. uh and it didn't yet have the actually in the early 70s and late 60s as far as i remember it it wasn't heavily stigmatized or or even regulated. It was very easy to did, get. Did people think that they were tripping because mushrooms were poisonous? At least in your circles, did you experience that? Or or was no, I never not? heard mushrooms being poisonous. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's, you know, I'll in Kentucky. Uh, so. I think in the mid seventies or whenever Nixon was president, I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably in the mid early, early mid seventies, right? Mm-hmm. It just kind of faded out. It faded out. Well, I mean, it was made illegal. Well, yeah, but, but yeah. So in terms so of seeing yeah, them yeah. regularly. In so terms what, of, what was the what was the reaction like in your communities when these drugs were made illegal? I, I you know, there's no reaction to it. People still figured out how to get them. I mean, I, <laughs> I went. I went uh, after after. I went, to, I went to art school in California, uh, California Institute of the Arts called CalArts, which was found, fu- funded and founded by the Disney family. Uh, and it was a, a really new kind of, uh, then considered a kind of um, avant-garde, uh, anything goes art school. Okay. I mean, they, were, they, they gave out mushrooms and, and acid. Really? In class. What? I mean, I know Walt Disney did mescaline. I know that at least, but I've never heard people of tripped like this. during class together, and it was fun and wild. And when the Disney's wow. and there was a big pool at the school, and everyone was just swimming <laughs> naked. When the Disney's found out what was really going on in the school, <laughs> yeah, it changed. <laughs> They well, didn't know what they didn't know what like they were getting themselves. They didn't know what they were getting themselves in for. But it's called yeah. Cal Arts. It's a very, really well-known school. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people it. have passed through it, uh, who are very successful now. Mm-hmm. Film directors and, you know, uh, it was dance, film, uh, performance, video, art. So has your relationship with psilocybin? How has it changed? Well, over then the it years? stopped. I mean, I, I don't know why okay. it just stopped. Uh, and then it's only been the recent reemergence of its of its interest that perked my interest. Okay. Actually. Okay. okay. Which is, I would say, within the last five years. Okay. And it's the same with ketamine and some of the other stuff we talked yeah. about this week. Yeah. Ketamine. Uh, I I don't even know how I found out about ketamine as a kind of. Uh, I knew about it as a club drug in the nineties. And I did it a few times. I, you know, it was kind of fucked up. But uh, I think I read about it actually somewhere. And uh, I mean, I've been in psychoanalysis, SSRIs. You know, I've had, you know, good times, bad times, psychically speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just really wanted to try stuff, something else. Mm-hmm. And I read about a doctor in New York who opened a clinic, and I emailed him, you know, and uh, he said, 
make an appointment. And it was it was really helpful. Talk a little bit about that. We don't we haven't talked about ketamine on this podcast uh, actually. So, but but it is actually a segue for a lot of people into psilocybin. Um, so talk a little bit about your ketamine experience. And well, the ketamine experience was that I did it a few times a long time ago. It, it didn't really move the needle anywhere particularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just, you know, part of like a club scene, which I didn't really participate in heavily because I'm not so into going out or electronic music or anything. But, mm-hmm. you know, I did it. Uh did then didn't do it, and then I read about it. I don't even remember where, probably on the internet. A doctor, uh, Dr. Brooks at the New York uh, Ketamine Clinic, it was called, and I I just researched it, mm-hmm. and it, I thought it was pretty amazing. I mean, it, obviously, it's an anesthetic, and it turned out that very uh, anecdotally. They were finding out that, that, that between the time that people who were wounded on the battlefield, they could get them from the battlefield to a field hospital, the ones that they would quiet down with ketamine mm-hmm. did not get PTSD as much as the ones who really? they didn't administer the ketamine to. I've never heard this. Interesting. Yeah, well, that was, that was, the, that was kind of the, ori- the original research was kind of anecdotal. Yeah. Jesus, these people, huh. you know, we kind of kind them down to get them into the helicopter. We put the ketamine, shot them with the ketamine, mm-hmm. and they did not have PTSD. Huh. Wow. So, and this doctor was an anesthesiologist, mm-hmm. and he started a little clinic to... to, to he was doing it before John Hopkins, before... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, he was just doing an off-label. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I used to even kid him around because he told me he was the biggest uh, purchaser of ketamine in New York State. Oh. And I said, I can't believe they haven't come here and shut you down. And he, he said to me, I can't believe it either, <laughs> but they haven't. <laughs> but he's such a great guy. He's such a nice guy. He's so caring. You know, you talk to him, and he had he had, a, he had a, it was like five. I don't, it must have been five year, five years, four years ago or something. Mm-hmm. He had one office with a nurse and a, another little room where you'd go in. He'd close down the lights and go in his office and check up. They'd look in once in a while, but basically they would just you know give you the infusion, mm-hmm. and you'd stay there for an hour and. Uh, just the experience of self, uh, the, 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 the ketamine hour was very obviously, it's a very different uh, way into your body and everything that, every way that something gets into your body affects your body differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nothing like, you know, snorting the ketamine on a dance floor. Right. It really became about pure consciousness. I, I mean, the first time I did it, I mean, I remember thinking that he, he told me that people who suffer uh, depression, 
uh, there might be some, obviously, some relationship between the kind of the withering, literally the withering of over time of the synapses that uh, in the area of serotonin, which the uptake of serotonin recharges those temporarily. Mm. Ketamine actually reconnects synergistically the synapses. I mean, maybe he told it to me and I was imagining it, mm. but I felt my synapses <laughs> in the back of my head electrically charging. Yeah. And it was an amazing feeling. It felt like mm. consciousness itself. It, it, it wasn't in me. It was floating way up there, charging. Mm. It was, it's, it's... I mean, it's a big dose, you know, when you get it intravenously. It's a very you know? strange experience. And even it was small doses. What? It's just so strange. It's such a strange experience, even in small doses. Yeah, it is. It is. I so you know, I mean, psychiatry, as you know, really has basically been stuck in place for twenty-five years. It's mm -hmm. derivations of Prozac. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know. Pharmaceutical, uh, you know, like pharmaceuticals playing around with patents so that they could squeeze another 16 years out of the money machine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, ketamine is very hard to do that with. There's very, you know, the, com the chemical comp composition is v really very simple. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> if you alter it a tiny bit, it's not ketamine. Uh, so it's going to be very difficult and that's why they didn't really bother with it. The pharmaceutical companies and universities got into the act and private doctors, uh, and I, I really think I just felt like it's, this, this is a game changer for me. It was a game changer because, uh, I got off the SSRIs hmm. and I, Really, uh, you know, it has to. It had to do with the the arc, the angle, and the arc of thinking. So, you know, if the arc of normal thinking should be flexible within within a hundred and eighty degrees, mm -hmm. and when it dips below a hundred and eighty degrees, you're going into dark areas. Mm -hmm. The ketamine lifted the dark areas and kind of put the meter back. It kind of re it recalibrated the meter, and it actually uh, I felt shut down. Uh, the everybody thinks over their shoulder and overthinks and. I mean, negative thoughts and self-doubt are obviously part of everybody's life. Mm -hmm. But that could get also, you know, some for some people who suffer either chronic or, so, or sometimes either severe or even mild depression. You know, you, you could start thinking thoughts that uh, are, are destructive, are, are just not productive in any way. Mm -hmm. And I, and I really think the ketamine helps get rid of those thoughts. Doesn't change anything, 
but it keeps the the meter more level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least it has for me, and it has for other people. So that opened it uh, mm-hmm. opened up new avenues. Uh, I mean, that opened up. I mean, I was always open to trying new things. Listen, I mean, you know, I'm an artist. Uh, just from the psychedelic experiences that I had recreationally when I was in my early 20s, I, I remembered and you, rem- you realize that you think thoughts and you have things come into your head that are in your head. I mean, you don't, you hallucinate, but you are generating a, a, the hallucination. <laughs> It's not, you know, being pushed into you from outside. So there must be something in your brain that's creating this visual possibility that is otherwise untapped. And I was always very curious about that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I just thought it's an outer body experience that can be very interesting. Uh, And... After the ketamine, uh, I forget when and where, but I was asked to be on some panel about uh, future consciousness uh, in Utah. Uh, And, oh yeah, and this guy who I like a lot, who's an artist, whose music I listened to, who was doing a, uh, a sound healing at night with some of the people. We all sat in a big tent with uh, Daniel Pinchbeck, mm-hmm. kind of arranged it, and he was there, and he's a friend of mine. Uh, and that was the first time I got redid uh, Mescaline, and that was a very controlled, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful, amazing session. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, where this guy, Trevor Oswald, was mm-hmm. playing keyboard and flute and bells and in the middle. And, you know, he just tells everybody, don't get in each other's face. You know, just stay where you are. You know, there are certain ground rules. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was it was wonderful. And I did that again a few times in different locations around New York uh, with with him again and with other people, too. And always mescaline, or did you ever use psilocybin? No, this was psilocybin. Oh, I'm this sorry. This was psilocybin. Okay. Uh, and he really knew his stuff. He said, you know, you talked to him, everyone talked to him first, you, your history with it, your mm-hmm. tolerance, your weight, what else, what are the drugs you take, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he would give you the amount of grams that he thought was appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my, my dose was five grams, which still, oh, really? still is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's still your dose. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, anyway. It, it, what was that reintroduction like? I mean, it, w- it was a wonderful, magical. I mean, come on. You're in the, this place you know, with the, the big tent yeah. with the big opening mm-hmm. and the sky at night in Utah. Did you think the same way that you did about ketamine, how this is a game changer for me? Or yeah, did you? Okay. I did. Okay. I thought what, what's, really, what, what's really going on here is, uh, you know, we're also stuck. 
you know, we, we want to be flexible, you want to be open, but in the end, we're all stuck in our brain and our head and in our body, mm -hmm, just mm -hmm, the way mm -hmm. it goes. Mm -hmm. And something comes along, and it's like a little voice that says, hey, there's another pathway out, out of this, or around it, or through it. Maybe it's not permanent, mm -hmm. but let me show you just a little sight that you haven't seen mm -hmm. in this kind of way before. Mm -hmm. That's that's what it is, really, all, all of it. I, since after that, I went on uh, to do uh, the bufo, and the ayahuasca. Which, for listeners, the bufo is the 5-MeO-DMT toad venom that's smoked. Yeah, that's very short-acting. Mm -hmm. And uh, it it's really was the most amazing psychedelic experience uh, I ever had. Mm -hmm. I'm eager to try it. It's... It, that that to me was the real game changer mm -hmm. because of its uh, its intensity and its propulsion. Mm. It's it's a, of course all of these things are uh, ego dissolving to some degree, mm -hmm. but I mean you really you just fractalize mm. uh, and it's a every all of these things for me still are a little scary. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, everyone's afraid of losing control. And uh, well, if your ego dissolves, are you going to be able? Is it going to reconstitute itself, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or am I just going to be a, a you know a, a, a molten ball of like you know <laughs> like you know like pulsating jello at uh. the end, you know without a life left? That does not happen. It just doesn't happen. Uh, and and and. You know, if you're around people who have any experience with any of these things, you can see and, you know, trusting the medicine, mm -hmm. which it really is. It really is. Uh, Absolutely. Um, I mean, the, the, the bufo uh, takes you so far out of yourself uh, that you, you know, to... to you, you see, you see you that you're there, but your there there is not there anymore. <laughs> it's 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 in the cosmos, mm. and when you're looking at you, you there in the cosmos. It's okay to be. You you get your priorities come through to you. Mm. It's, a, it's not about how small you are, about not liking yourself. It's about how short of time there really is oh. in this world mm -hmm. for all of us and all creatures mm -hmm. and all things. Mm -hmm. We're just part of a process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you kind of laugh at the things you worry about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you... You know, if you're looking at yourself from sitting up on a star yeah. and you're looking back yeah. and you're thinking about worrying about what someone thinks about you mm -hmm. or if you're going to sell this or that thing or not. Is the Wi-Fi working? It's like you, th you feel like, 
what a waste. Yeah. In the end, what's it, what's it going to matter? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you come back from it with this sense of priorities that, you know what, I am here a really short time. Mm-hmm. Th- and there are things that are really important. But all the things I worry about aren't that important. Usually not the important things. So why don't I just kind of actually it's really good to keep get your focus back straightened out mm-hmm. on the people you want to be around on the things you want to do so i would imagine these experiences must have had some impact on your on your art in some way or another absolutely i when i did the i mean i remember uh when i did the bufo uh, i did it with this guy a, a psychopharmacologist who who started looking around uh, for the new ways to deal with patients, and he ended up dropping his pharma- pharmacological practice. Uh, you know, he's an older guy in his 50s. He worked at a hospital, spent 20, 30 years prescribing, you know, Xanax and uh, Cymbalta, and, you know, and said, forget it. The patients, who still want to do that, he referred them to other doctors and he went into the practice of uh, of facilitating Mm. uh, all all of these things that we're talking about, Mm -hmm. psilocybin, ayahuasca, and uh, bufo. Mm -hmm. I remember I I went through like, uh, I live in an area my studio right now is outside of New York, uh, by the water on Long Island, in a place called the Springs, and it's a kind of a, a well-known art artist area. Mm-hmm. Like Jackson Pollock had a house there when he moved out of New York City. Wilhelm de Kooning, literally lived around the block from me. His studio is still there. So. I was really, my my experience on Bofu was like, the first thing that occurred to me was that I'll never be as great an artist as Willem de Kooning. <laughs> and, you know, I was like all upset. And, and, and then I just started to laugh. It says, you know, okay, that's true. That might not ever happen. But, you're going to be the artist you are, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds silly, but like that was like a big deal for me because I felt like I can be free to be that artist, mm-hmm. not being comparing myself to some great historical figure all the time and be oppressed by it all. Yeah. The point is to free yourself. And wow, is that really throughout your artistic career? Have you really have you felt this comparison to others? Well, I think I think artists do that very naturally. Yeah, yeah. you know that the part of the, your ambition is to obviously uh, for some degree of recognition, and mm-hmm. you know there's, there's there's levels of it, and and you know if you're going to c- compare and compete, you might as well do it with the best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that it could also be oppressive and, 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 you know, you could come out on the short end. Mm-hmm. But that won't make you any less of the artist that you were meant to be. Right. It's just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
And I, it just kind of freed me. It freed me to do things that I didn't want to do because I was afraid maybe I couldn't do them so well. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, when I'm up in the star, I thought to myself, who gives a shit how well I do it? So you would I'm, go back to that yeah, like, when I'm in the star? I'm in the star. <laughs> I, I don't care what who thinks I'm doing it well or not well. I'm right. doing it the way I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. uh, and it just kind of opened up a new way for me to, which to me is the major reason the major thing, one of the major things you strive for as an artist is to create freedom for yourself, for God's sake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not to be stuck in a style mm -hmm. or one way of working or repeat yourself ad infinitum until, you know, you want to, like, just cut your throat. It's to be, to understand your work and to move around your world freely and openly mm -hmm. and follow your consciousness, the path of your consciousness and your th conscious thinking wherever it goes. Sometimes you have ideas that take time and they don't work out. But are you not supposed to do them because they don't fit in with the body of your work? Mm -hmm. oh, some artists would probably not. I don't want to be one of the, yeah. those artists. Yeah. I want to be able to fail sometime if it doesn't look like the Kooning, okay. But you know, I, I know it, it, but a lot of these psilocybin and bufo uh, really helped that, really helped that. And the ketamine as well. Now the other, the last thing I wanna say about ketamine, even more so than bufo or psilocybin, is I felt for the first time when I was on the ketamine, not afraid of dying. Mm. Like I actually thought- so Even Bufo, you didn't get that? No. Huh. Talk about that. I don't think I've ever heard that come out of ketamine. Yeah. I just felt my consciousness uh, spread out so much into the universe that it opened out so much that it became not me. Mm. It just became this hovering mass of synapses that were floating in Neverland. Mm. And I thought to myself, this is okay. Neverland mm. as a spirit is just fine. And, you know, it really made me kind of think, uh, I, mean, I will guarantee that ketamine will one day be used as an end-of-life treatment. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just feel it. I, I just felt every time I do it mm -hmm. that uh, makes sense intravenously. Yeah. Uh, I, I I get that feeling where you're just kind of floating out of mm -hmm. your body mm -hmm. and drifting off, and then you'll be okay, mm -hmm. even if you're not even if you're not going to be here. What a way to go! Yeah, yeah, it's a nice way. Mm. Uh, the Bofu is a little bit more, you know, it's, it happens so, everything happens so quickly. Mm. You don't have time to die. <laughs> <laughs> your, your ego kind of uh, fractalizes and, you know, you do, you do have visual, it is visual, not as visual as psilocybin. Mm. Hmm. Uh, 
it's more it's more internal and more psych, psych, kind of psychological in a way uh, mm-hmm. you know you have emotions everything is processed and unprocessed so and unpacked so quick you actually don't have really time to think about it you're just feeling it all mm-hmm. like you could cry like crazy for a few minutes and then laugh like crazy for a few minutes mm-hmm. then scream and then be totally calm you know that's why the, that's why you need someone there it's it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. uh it, it could be rough it could be rough but it's really really uh so but so could psilocybin i mean i find mm-hmm. psilocybin actually to have its rough it's you know like i said before it kind of like uh life exaggerated mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know it has its unbelievable awesome moments of beauty and tranquility and oneness with everything and then suddenly for whatever reason you could slide into fear hysteria sadness and go there for a while mm-hmm. and uh i i don't think i've ever uh had any psilocybin experience that didn't involve a, a real ride yeah <laughs> the spectrum of emotions a spectrum of emotions mm-hmm. and visuals and yeah i mean i know a lot of people who maybe just naturally more balanced than I am. I'm kind of an emotional person. So that's what comes out. Mm. People who are maybe like, you know, I mean, I didn't have a traumatic childhood. I had a basically good childhood, good education, good career. So it's not like I'm healing or resolving. Well, I would imagine. Well, there's there's pain. There's always pain in everyone's life. I mean, our system is based on the creating of certain kinds of people. But I mean, you were you were really active in the early AIDS epidemic and awareness. And yeah, there's surely a lot of a lot of people you loved and lost. That's true. Uh, yeah, that that that's part of my life. Uh, listen, if you if uh, if you've lived any amount of life, you've lost people. You've lost relationships that you wished you didn't. Mm that you're glad you did lose. I mean, you know. You I mean, I think you have an extremely balanced perspective. All week long, you've kind of brought this very balanced viewpoint to the table. Uh, so that's probably Yeah, but, you know, the thing is, it's, it's actually taken a lot of work all over a long time because I used to at least think I was more unbalanced than I really was. But uh. actually, when I do, like I said even, when I do these experiences, uh, sometimes I just laugh because with, with all my, with all the feelings about how bumpy I am psychically sometimes, underneath that, mm-hmm. there's a bedrock core that's very solid mm-hmm. and knows mm-hmm. who it is and what it wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that just takes time and discipline and you know one thing if i've not been anything else i've been very disciplined Hmm. when it comes to 
developing work habits, gutting to my studio, regardless, you know, like putting my feelings aside, like, uh, you know, okay, I'm not gonna wait till I'm in the mood to work. I'm just gonna, mm. you go to work. If you're gonna sit around and be the kind of artist who's gonna wait for inspiration, <laughs> you're not gonna get anything mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. You're gonna be waiting a long time, mm -hmm. maybe your whole life. <laughs> I think you just, the way you get inspired is by getting there like anything and fighting with it. Mm. Mm. And making something happen. That's how the experience with psilocybin is. You, you, take, you take it and sometimes you got to fight with it. Yeah, you got to get in there and work. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not always you just lay back. You know, it's a, you know I mean, I had just this week I've had experiences uh, where I felt like it was pushing me around too much. Talk about that a little bit. What do you mean? Well, you know, it, it just... It got me into sadness and it got me into darkness and I kind of had to remember that it's my mind, my, I took the psilocybin mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I could talk to it and I can get my breathing back centered. It helps. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Remember your breathing and you get yourself centered You can you can create a narrative mm. there's a, You know, there's always a narrative that you can create you could adjust as you're going along. Yeah Yeah, you know, you know if you let it just take you along the dark path It, it can take you a long way. Yeah, yeah. You know? and and sometimes there's value in that and sometimes there's value in saying, I'm going to drive the ship. Yeah, right? I agree. At least in my experience. I mean, I, I do a lot of times lay there and say, okay, let's see what's going on. And I say to myself, surrender. Mm. And see what happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, by, by now I know it's going to be okay in the end. You know, mm -hmm. the... Mm -hmm. When it's all said and done, it's yeah. basically six hours. <laughs> we'll get through this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it does mean it's not a lot to deal with still. You know? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. Mm -hmm. And for some people, a lot more. And some people come for very specific reasons. And I, and I, like I said before about the ketamine, I, I would say psilocybin is, is also goes into that, it goes into that package. Uh, they are... And will be game changers, and uh, psychopharmacology will be completely different. It should be quick. It probably won't be as quick as it should be, but let's say 10 years from now, I guarantee things are going to be a lot different. Yeah, I, I certainly hope so. What do you think that in an ideal world would look like? Well, obviously, it w would be, you mean, for all of these... Uh, well, I mean, you t is, let's imagine we have a, uh, facilities where we can go and get bufo and psilocybin and ketamine. And there will be. There are that. already. But right. anyway, what so, it will look like... Is these are legal and open, and what do you envision as an artist? What's your vision of this, of, of an ideal kind of psychedelic facility in the U.S.? Well, actually, this is kind of close. So what, 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 what an ideal facility could be okay. in a place that's beautiful, mm -hmm. that where you feel comfortable, 
where dosing is discussed and and kind of properly administered, mm-hmm. where there are people around to watch out for you, because obviously you know uh, you know you don't want people getting into the ocean too much or driving in their car if they have a car. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are obviously certain restrictions that mm-hmm. need to. Yeah, general safety. Huh? General safety. General safety. Mm-hmm. A place that establishes guidelines for general safety that's beautiful with with that comfortable why should that be illegal and and it's pretty simple it's pretty yeah simple. that's that's the bottom line you know? and, it, and it is the more information that's being accumulated and not just you know anecdotal but you know obviously a lot of clinical trials are going on the more information that's being accumulated, mm-hmm. the evidence is clear to me, absolutely. obviously, yeah. what they're going to find out. Yeah. They're going to find out, yes, it is absolutely helpful. Mm-hmm. And it's helpful quicker oh, yeah. and better oh, than 15 years of psychoanalysis and, you know, 15 years of, you know, uh, 300 milligrams of Cymbalta mm-hmm. that... When you get off of, you're like, have some Balter withdrawal syndrome for six yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. So that no, there's none of that. No withdrawal. No. Ad- I know people who smoke weed and been alcoholic to fog themselves over to live in a blur for years. Mm-hmm. They've done psilocybin a few times or ayahuasca. Mm-hmm. Never smoked or drank again. Mm. They said, I gave up weed. I don't want it. I don't want it. That's not my life. Mm. I mean, you know, I, nothing wrong with weed, but, yeah, you know, yeah. it can, that weed can be time, a yeah. crutch. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then some, obviously, I, I mean, I couldn't imagine someone doing like psilocybin or ayahuasca every day. There's no mm-hmm. way you can do it. Yeah. Physically, you'd be way too exhausted. Yeah. You know, it's so, so obviously, it's clearly. Uh, medicinal and treatment oriented Mm -hmm. and ritual there's a ritual around it too all all three of those things Mm -hmm. that's also important because I think the people who understand the power of it uh, respect that power well can you touch on that because we don't ritualize psilocybin here um, I mean, I mean psilocybin's a little different, the power but I, for, I, for instance, ayahuasca uh-huh. is much more ritualized. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, only because it's 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 more, it's kind of more encompassing. It takes longer. You have to diet. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you have to mm-hmm. go on a certain diet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a culture around it historically. For yeah, uh, you know, ritual. it's it's a little. Actually, that 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 uh, you know, I, I you know, the ayahuasca culture is going to be interesting to see what happens because mm-hmm. around all these cultures, there's so much for potential for kind of charlatans and abusive mm-hmm. uh, people mm-hmm. to get involved, and how that's going to work out. Everybody, uh, everybody's going to have to do their due diligence yeah, when yeah. it comes to. Where the place you they know, are yeah. is, media. and what that place, mm-hmm. what co- reputation will be, everything. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Uh, and especially in a world where it's so easy to put up a website with great pictures and present yourself as a professional, something like this, really. You know, I mean, what's interesting, and I'll say this on your behalf, hmm. uh, I think micro meditation has been a wonderful experience. Uh, when I was reading about it, I'm sure you know, there was some, you did get some negative feedback. Mm -hmm. I found none of that negative feedback to be true. Specifically, could, do you speak, could speak to the specific, huh? would you speak to the specific negative feedback? Uh, yeah, I think it was a magazine uh, called Psychedelics Today. Oh, they're a podcast kind of. I didn't. I don't. Stuff, I right? didn't read. I didn't hear the podcast. Mm -hmm. I, I actually read it. Yeah, they I, posted a statement online they, yes. that they withdrew yes. their. So well, first of all, I don't know who they think they are. That they they're not a credit an accreditation agency. Mm. They withdrew their accreditation. No, they weren't they were accrediting you. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. So I didn't understand that. What that meant. But anyway, whatever. Yeah. They weren't recommending you. Okay. Yeah. Uh. And I had, so I paused, mm -hmm. and I thought, mm, understandably, yeah, what? Understandably so, yeah. Yeah. But I read what people had to say, and I saw it, and I, I thought, you know what? I'll go myself if it, if it, I, I'm good with, I'm very intuitive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if mm -hmm. the vibe isn't good, I, you know, <laughs> not a big, car, you can not a big deal to, to say <laughs> goodbye, and to, I'll be in Jamaica. I'll go to a hotel down the block and just, mm -hmm. you know, hang out for a week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh. But anyway, none of that came to pass. It's, you know, my feelings from beginning to end were extremely positive. I felt very safe. I think you handle it really well uh, with the pre-discussion and the after-discussion. I mean, I'm not so into the after-discussion. Mm. I think it's a little like, oh, my God. I want to hear what everybody has to say. Your attention span. We've already talked about your attention span. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, the ADD kicks in. What can I tell you? Uh, yeah. But it, it, it is interesting, and it is interesting because you're right. It's a bit of a, a little bit out of your comfort zone. I'm usually not uh, sitting around with a bunch of people who I have no real interest in from different walks of life that I wouldn't basically be, I would not cross in right. normal, my normal life. Yeah. And, you know, you kind of hear their stories and, you know, you, you bre resistance breaks down when you hear mm -hmm. real people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they become real people to mm -hmm. you, not just cartoons mm -hmm. and, and people from different walks of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so, you've made some friends here this week, I think, even. I did. I, I did. There's some really nice people here. Well, and you, I think, played a really special role in one individual's experience as well. So I want to thank you for being there. Thank for, you for, for that. I, I found her to be really compelling. Oh, my God. Really, really compelling. the most fascinating people I've ever met. I mean, I, I feel like... I'm going to get to know her. I haven't even touched the surface no, of her story. God, yeah. And believe me, she's told me a lot by yeah, now. Yeah. We've talked a lot. Mm -hmm. She showed me pictures on her phone. You know, at first, I, th I actually thought, I said to Rajan, who I'm here with, who's an amazing person mm -hmm. and, and loves the experience as well. Uh, I said to Rajan, I don't know if she's like, I... I I actually thought when I first met her, she, that like you, this was the, 
she was mentally ill. Mm. Like this one's this one is not here. <laughs> yeah, this one's not here. Yeah, yeah. You probably thought no, no mushrooms for her, please. Well, yeah. <laughs> you thought, wondered maybe. I want. I did. I wondered. Yeah. And the, her, her first day on mushrooms, she was in a in a fetal ball on her bed, mm-hmm. and she and I said, "How are you doing?" She said, "I cannot wait until this day is over." Mm-hmm. So that's what she said to me. Mm-hmm. She didn't really talk that much that day, uh, but she, I mean, she's opened up. She's like a beautiful, generous person. Oh my God! She's like a mother to yeah, everybody. Mother to suddenly, everyone. it's like like I'm shocked. Yeah. She's I saw her on the beach when we, she and I went down to the beach and spoke the first night when everybody got here, and you know she was frazzled from the ride and the, tra- the everything, and um, you know she's bit lived as you know a pretty secluded life for a long time so this was a pretty I mean by the way I mean I did Google her Mm -hmm. and so so a lot of what I thought she was saying that sounded so far-fetched to Mm me that I thought oh I don't know this Mm -hmm. one's living in a fantasy world Mm -hmm. here it was not it wasn't a lot of what she said a lot of what she said came up yeah no I mean I guess that's a big part of my job is to read people you know and she is who she, she is who she is. Um, and yeah, it's, I'm sure it's, you've had a lot of people here who, you know, she suffered a lot of pain and, and, and she, it seems to me like some of it's cracked open. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's been so rewarding to, to know that she's lived this life uh, for 10 years, so secluded and that we've been able to be a part of her kind of reintroduction and you know, she said to me, she was talking about <coughs> yesterday, talking about some just pretty, pretty tragic stuff that she's witnessed. And uh, after she was telling me this kind of recounting the story, <coughs> excuse me, she said, um, "But it's st- but it's still worth it, meaning that life is still worth living." Oh yeah, I was there. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, you were yeah, there yeah. In, the, in the hall. I was there. there. Yeah, and it was nice. Uh, that was very nice how she said that. Yeah. Uh, this is some powerful stuff, man. This is some powerful medicine, and the group and, and all the individuals that come and or make up the group are such a. Uh, it, we we see stuff like this all the time, at Ross, and I just, I'm so grateful to be a part of it. And you know, I've, I've I did look you up a little bit online, and you know, I, I saw uh, just a little bit um, uh, about how you've helped to affect change uh, and raise awareness and. People like you are are a real example to me, and I really hope that I continue to stay fresh like you and keep looking for new ways to explore my art, which is mushrooms, um, among other things. And among other things, but uh, <laughs> you know, um, to it to be the best like version a, of myself. A very full life going on here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty busy, but uh, joyfully so, joyfully so, and um, man, it's just. It's been really a pleasure to to get to know you just a little bit that I have this week. Honestly. Oh, thank you, Eric. It's been a pleasure to get to know you. And uh, I mean, I don't know who listens to your podcast, but I want to c- really congratulate you what you got going here and uh, urging them to come down and try it because I, I plan on coming back. Oh, wow. Well, it would be amazing to see you again. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, about it. What else can you say? That's it. Well, you can give us your billboard. Give us your billboard.
What's your billboard? You didn't see me. You didn't read the questions I sent you, did you? I did. I I looked at them. <laughs> What's the question? If you could put up a billboard about suicide. I read the question. Uh, first question: Who would you want to do it most? <laughs> then my attention wandered. I love you just the way you are. <laughs> Can you come up with us as as, as an? With an artistic mind that you have, can you come up with a billboard if you were to put something up for psilocybin that people would ride by and see and might help to change some perspective? What would that, what would that look like? Oh, that's a tough one. I don't, let me, I have to think about that. Maybe it's just, you if just you, have to say, try it. I, well, fuck, I like that. Big try it. Try it. Try it. Because you don't know until you Just do. try it for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Nobody else can tell you about the experience. It's kind of ha- had ta- a little bit of a takeoff on Nike. <laughs> Just do it. Just try it. Just try it. <laughs> oh, Ross, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast and here this week being Thank a part you, of it. Thank you, Eric. It Absolutely. Fun and a pleasure. Excellent. Just try it. I agree. Please do so safely and in a supportive environment. Like Ross said, psilocybin can and will take you all over the place. And a little support goes a long way. Ross, your support means so much to me. And listeners, I promise I did not bring up that... uh, (laughs) I don't even want to say it. That criticism uh, from that media outlet with Ross. He brought that up all by himself. We never even talked about it through the week. Uh, but it does go to show just how far a baseless statement like this has impacted uh, our perception out there in the public. So anyway, what I would love for you to do is just tell your friends about this show. That goes so far in helping us to repair whatever damage has been done. People listen and they hear the authenticity. They know that uh, the stories that are being told here are real and they can get a good sense of who me and my team are uh, which is really really important people understandably need to be in a very trustworthy environment for them to have these very vulnerable experiences anyway i do hope you've enjoyed this episode thank you as always for joining me on the michael meditations psilocybin chronicles